what we want to do basically is take all of our expertise in professionalism and technology, but put our 15-year-old passion into it. Hi, I'm Joel Pilger, and you're listening to episode 56 of the Rev Thinking Podcast. Today is another in our profile of the Creative Entrepreneur Series, talking with Heather Roymans and Justin Kanner, partners at Alter Ego. Welcome to Rev Thinking, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. This is the conversation between creative leaders and consultants, discussing what it really takes to run a thriving creative business. Hey, it's Joel. Today is October 31st. Happy Halloween. I'm actually driving between Savannah and Atlanta, Georgia. Had a meeting at SCAD, which was terrific. Love that place uh, in Savannah. And I'm en route back to Atlanta. So if you hear some car noise and background hum, that's why. All right, what are we talking about today? Well, first off, I want to say welcome to all of you Rev Thinkers and all you fabulous creative entrepreneurs. It's been very cool. I've had, again, quite a few conversations over the past few weeks. And it's amazing how many folks I bump into who say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I listen to your podcast and, you know, keep up with all of your advice and ideas and concepts and so forth which is always very gratifying. And hey, we're starting to even get some reviews, I noticed, on iTunes. So this is me maybe prompting you in a roundabout way to go and give us some ratings, give us a thumbs up, make a comment. That would be awesome. All right, today's conversation is our profile of The Creative Entrepreneur featuring Heather Roymans and Justin Kanner, partners at Alter Ego. Now, maybe you haven't heard of Alter Ego. Well, there's a good reason for that, and we'll get into that in the episode. So hold on for that conversation. First, I have a few quick bits of news and some announcements. Uh, Cohort, for starters. So we had uh, this evening mastermind a few weeks ago in New York City, which was killer. And the next one is coming up on November the 1st. So by the time you hear this, it may already be over, but... For those of you that are going, looking forward to seeing you. This is a full evening mastermind with your fellow creative entrepreneurs and a featured guest, and of course, hosted by RevThink. So Tim Thompson and Ashley Talusik will be hosting this event in Los Angeles on the west side at a wonderful dinner location in Santa Monica. I won't be able to make it, but uh, for those of you going, don't worry, you won't miss me. It's gonna be a great evening. The featured guest for this coming cohort is Neil Berkeley. Now, Neil is the owner of Berkeley, which is a motion design studio that does a lot of broadcast promo work. But more interestingly, Neil is the owner at Future You Media, which is his production company that's producing content for none other than Amazon. Yeah, they're in the middle of producing a series for Amazon right now, which is very cool. And the evening's conversation is going to focus around the topic of your producing content, start selling it. And it's funny because the last cohort in New York and this one coming up in Los Angeles, this topic of content and even more generally the the topic of intellectual property and how do you build an asset in your business keeps coming up. And this is something that at RevThink, we keep encouraging you as a creative entrepreneur. Yes, I know you say, well, my clients, they write me a check and it's all work for hire. They own everything after I get the check. Well, not so fast. It's not that simple. And if you're not creating content or assets or intellectual property, you are probably missing out, um, especially over the long term. So this is something we're going to continue to talk about on the podcast in the future. Okay, so that's the news on cohort. If you want to attend that, you can just go to the RevThink uh, website. And if you did not receive an invitation, you can request one through our contact form because those these events are invitation only. If you did receive an invite, make sure you grab your seat because it will sell out. And these are small, intimate evening events with dinner and drinks and so forth. Okay, the other event coming up is Show Launcher. Now, Show Launcher is a masterclass series led by Patrick Jaeger and Tim Thompson, all focused around the topic of how do you develop pitch and sell content. 
So hey, here's that recurring theme again. We're getting back to content. Now, if you're interested in Show Launcher, this session coming up is session number three, and the topic is called The Meeting and the Deal. It's going to happen on December 13th at the SAG-AFTRA Foundation screening room in Los Angeles. That's right there on Wilshire Boulevard. Now, the way to get tickets is to go to RevThink.com, click on the little hamburger in the upper right menu, click on events, and then you will see it there. Now, the reason I am saying to go ahead and do this is because the events always do sell out. In fact, not only do they sell out, there's like standing room only. So if you want to buy a ticket, go for it. And if you make it to the event, be sure to get there early because I've heard it's always standing room only. So that's going to be really cool. And I'm excited to see the conclusion of this series uh, of Show Launcher happening. And I know you're going to enjoy hearing about how to run the meeting and close the deal when it comes to producing content. All right, now let's get to today's episode, shall we? This is our profile of the Creative Entrepreneur Series, where we sit down with an entrepreneur who runs a creative studio or a production company, maybe an agency, and we hear their story. And we just want to get their perspective on, hey, what's it like in your world to run your business? Uh, What do you love about it? What drives you crazy? What are you hoping to accomplish? Why did you start your business? And today, this story is very much in keeping with that format. Our guests are Heather Roymans and Justin Kanner, partners at Alter Ego. Now, if you have not heard of Alter Ego, I mentioned this before, it's because they've been running a company called IFDC for a number of years. And IFDC is now rebranding as Alter Ego. Now, the reason this is cool is because Heather and Justin Uh, They go back a little ways. They bought IFDC a number of years ago, and now they are realizing, hey, to keep moving forward as this business, we want to rebrand and reposition as Alter Ego. Now that they've made it their own and they're staking out their their claim and moving into the future together, uh, and they want to create their own future, they decided it was time to rebrand. And what better place to announce that rebrand than on the Rev Thinking podcast. So I was really honored and flattered that they wanted to do that. It just so happened that we were all in New York a few weeks ago for cohort. They were there that night for dinner. And before dinner, we got together at a WeWork and said, let's sit down and have this conversation about your business. Uh, How did you get into it? How did you start it? What's the story? And of course, where are you now and where are you headed as alter ego? So I hope you enjoy this conversation uh, with Heather and Justin. I really enjoyed chatting with them both in this conversation. So here's the episode. Enjoy. Welcome to East 42nd Street. We work. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite a nice room, actually. It is. Yeah. So let me ask you guys to introduce yourselves because uh, for our listeners that may not know you, I'm sitting here with Heather and Justin. And what I call... Do you guys go by the name currently Image Factory or IFDC? How do you how do you introduce yourselves? So at the moment we are, I would say we're IFDC. Okay. Not anymore. Ah. So by the release of this podcast, I'd say we are now called Alter Ego. Yes, and Alter Ego is a creative content shop, and we are focused on creating the best work and having the best time. So who's the we? Who am I sitting here with? I am Heather Roymans, and I am partner and executive creative director. And I am Justin Kanner, and I am a uh, co-director and editor. And colorist. And a partner. And a partner. And a partner. And a partner. partner. (laughs) No, it's very cool to to sit and chat with you guys, and that's obviously huge news because when we spoke about getting together and doing a podcast in our, you know, series on the creative entrepreneur, you guys said, hey, we're in the process of going through a rename, uh, so not just a rebrand, refresh, but actually a rename. So that's, I mean, that's obviously the big news. And I've been kind of waiting too, just so people listening that are like, oh, you already knew that. No, this is actually news to me because you guys have been sort of been waiting to announce this. So by the time this podcast is live, the new firm will be live. People can go see that IFDC is now Alter Ego. Yeah. Correct. New website. New website will be hot, up yes. and running. Wow. So that's, that's obviously a really big move. And I'm curious to hear because um, we'll get into the whole story of kind of where you guys come from and how you started the bit, getting into business and, and all that. But just because I'm really curious about 
the shift and the change. What was the impetus behind saying, hey, it's time for us to rename? Because I know there's usually some sort of a moment in history, some, some, it symbolizes something, right? Well, I think in order to get to that answer, we do have to talk about our, our genesis. The history. Uh, mm-hmm. The history. Yeah. The origin story. Uh, yeah, our origin story. And I was a uh, victim to one of those mass discovery layoffs uh, that happened quite a few years ago where half the department was respectfully laid off in a change of management. And so tell us, um, so you were an employee at Discovery. I was. And that's actually where you and I first got introduced because back when I was running my studio, Impossible, way back in the day, yes. um, I think we worked together once or twice. I don't we remember. But <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, yes. sorry. Refresh my memory. I remember you but... coming in for pitches. I remember you working with Trish. On yeah, the sure, yeah, sure, sure. So tell, tell us a, a brief, just the brief history of your experience on the client side, because people are always curious when somebody comes from that world to this world. Exactly. So I was, uh, I worked at Discovery for 16 years. I was the creative director in marketing. And so I was the one that was working on those pinnacle blue chip uh, documentaries, the Shark Week, Planet Earth, Life. I was very lucky to have have those experiences, and also the the really great series at that at that time when Discovery was the place to go for the Deadliest Catch and MythBusters, Man vs. Wild, Storm Chasers. Right. So I was able to work on all of those amazing series and specials for Discovery. What I call the Discovery Glory Days. The right? Glory Days, yeah. <laughs> Not that there aren't still great days, but those were Glory Days for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and the company was really building towards something magnificent. And so I was able, very fortunate to work on those uh, promotables, to work in a marketing department with a very strong, very strong strategy partners, uh, a really great team of writer-producers. Um, and so that was my background. My background was running big teams and working on the client side uh, has definitely enabled me to see things really clearly on this side, really great perspective. Um, but I also got to work with unbelievable shops, mm-hmm. uh, like Impossible. <laughs> and, You're too kind. Uh, you know, I, I've directed with Kyle Cooper uh-huh. in, in Dutch Harbor, Alaska for Deadliest Catch, you know, when he was at Prologue, so right. Prologue. Working with Imaginary Forces, working with Brand New Schools. So I had a benchmark of what I expected, what was good. That was, that was the bar that I had set for myself and my career. So cut to this mass layoff, <laughs> you know, 16 years in, and I understand. The writing was on the wall. There was a lot of change going on at Discovery. Uh, I was surprised our department lasted in, in its capacity for as long as it did. And shortly after, uh, I had done some consulting work, uh, in development and obviously in, in promotion. And then I was recruited to become the executive creative director at the shop where Justin and I met. And he was uh, one of the one of the hot new editors there. Uh-huh. And so we, that's where we met. Mm-hmm. That's where I started. Mm-hmm. And a couple months in, our boss actually told me, I don't really just want you to be the executive creative director. I want you to run the shop. Okay. And so that was very attractive to me. I love challenges. I, I <laughs> was there a title with this, like managing director? I think it would have. It would have. He wasn't big on television. president. She was VP at the time. Probably. I remember, I remember sitting in the room and and uh, he had said something about you guys had already had the the conversation, but then he was just we were making new business cards, and then you're like, what title should I put? And he goes, <laughs> just put VP, and you're like, really VP? <laughs> And he's like, yeah. And so kind of went. Now I'm laughing. I'm laughing because this is such a funny moment for me when you think about small businesses, right? Is that oftentimes the title gets figured out when we're making business cards. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like until then, you're like, I don't know. I just do all this stuff. I make magic. I, you know, keep clients happy, whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, but I got to put something on the card. So knowing that I would rather share in success than be isolated with it. I knew I was looking for somebody to step up and be my partner in this venture of running the company. Um, Justin was the, the hot editor at the time and somebody that was just relentlessly driven and always positive. And I remember the first time that we had a project that really tested this potential relationship. And I'm one of these people that will put everything into the work. I understand what it takes when you get a project, no matter what time of day, you gotta do what it takes to make it happen. 
And the first time we tested that philosophy <laughs> and the test of our story? partnership, yeah, it was. Because I'm sure uh, there's a war story behind yeah, what you're so saying it, there. You're laughing. <laughs> yeah, so there's an agency that called and they needed a piece for VW and Audi. And the terms of this project were really tight and challenging. And I'm going to let you tell the story because it's amazing, your take on it. I was stressing on the phone trying to think, how are we going to make this happen? Little did I know. My future partner was there thinking this is going to be the best opportunity these had so far. So basically, um, you know, this is at the end of the day, I had been cutting a a sizzle or, you know, set of uh, promos for PBS for our good friend Aaron Newsom. And um, and it was delivery day. I'm just versioning. It's like, you know, we're about to clock out. It's going to be great. And everything's going smooth. Yeah. 530 at night and we get the call. And I'm putting the last end page on, and, and all I hear is Heather behind me um, on the phone, and she is taking this call, and, and I hear things like Audi, and then VW, and uh, Sizzle, and Le Mans, and race car. <laughs> and she is like, okay, okay, let me get back to you. She didn't say, yes, we have it. And I turned around, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm down. Whatever it is, let's do it. I'm in. So you have no idea. No idea. This means I'm working all night. Right. I didn't know that she meant it was due. I had never heard what the uh, deadline was. And so Heather was just like, are you sure? We haven't said yes. But what they're going to do is come over with a drive with a few hundred gigs of footage. And we have a 90 second cut due by noon. And I was like, (laughs) can you do it? Are you in? All right. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. And so they brought over a drive. This was before Avid AMA, and uh, and so it wasn't just as easy as linking to all this footage. And so I meaning you had to transcode up. everything. Yeah, exactly. And so this was also we didn't have shared storage at the at the shop at the time, and so I split this up between seven different computers. I was transcoding from six to ten, networked all the computers together, got everything onto one machine, and then started cutting from ten o'clock. You know, rolling through race car footage, which was yeah. for me it was amazing. Rolling through race car footage, started cutting at 10, had a cut by 8 a.m. Went home, took a shower, because that was gross, and <laughs> got a pot of coffee, came back at 9.30. And, you know, this was, we didn't have E2s at the shop. We were, it was a smaller organization. Right. It was just us all night. And then, so came back, 9.30, reviewed the cut with Heather. We had to do all our graphics ourselves for it. And so not just an edit, not just an edit, no, <laughs> no. the music and everything, um, sound effects, sound designed it, got them a cut by noon. They then looked at it and immediately were like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is actually a two day event. Can you cut a second video? No changes to the first one, mix it. Let's get it out. Let's do another video. Wow. So when, so I guess Heather, from your standpoint in this whole experience, you're realizing, okay, Wow. Justin was not frustrated by this challenge or disappointed or whatever. It was like, wow, I'm totally down for this challenge. It sounds fun. And to me, this is like, I can sort of see the signs of what I would just call the kind of the heart and soul of the creative entrepreneur, which just says, I can figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. just give, give me a shot. I can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Even though, as you're saying the words, you really don't know what the hell you're going to do. Yes. But you just get in there and you start making it happen. We figure it out. And so you're thinking after this experience, you're like, okay, this is somebody I want to be in business with or yeah. collaborate with. Yeah. This is a fellow hustler. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hustler. <laughs> so, and that's, and that is exactly what we do and, and who we are. And so we started partnering more and more on uh, bigger initiatives for the company. We were becoming forward or client facing attending the speed dating sessions at Promax together, we were oh, starting yeah. to get our footing. We were really starting to uh, become the face of the company to a lot of our clients while our boss uh, had a broker and he was actively trying to sell the company. And we knew that. And one day after many attempts and meeting different potential financiers and, and buyers, he looked at us and said, do you guys want to buy? Now that's an interesting moment. Because I'm also thinking, have either of you been in business before this moment? I I had an LLC when I got, you know, after discovery. Okay, right. So you were freelance. You were a freelancer operating under a a corporate entity. Yeah, and I would say I never had an official business per se, but I'd say as soon as I got 
my first copy of Avid Express Pro on my laptop for free, limited to two video tracks when I was 14, maybe. Um, the moment I had that on my computer, I was making money on it somehow. You know, whether I was doing a birthday right. video or a soccer video for, you know, sure. compilations. As soon as I figured out that this was a thing that I can do, I have been making money on it as like the side hustle. But this is now a whole other level when oh, yeah. an owner says to you, hey, <clears throat> do you want to buy my business? Totally different level. <laughs> totally different level. Yeah. This because, isn't a soccer video. Yeah. No. Because now you're, um, I'm guessing there was a, there was a, a team of some size that you're now yes. inheriting. Yes. Space, facilities, yeah. client yes. list. 16 people. Operations. 16 people. 16 people, two separate spaces. Yes. So this was this was a big decision. Now, I'm especially so I'm especially curious for you Heather because I find generally people who have spent call it the better part of a lifetime mm-hmm. um, on the employee side mm-hmm. rarely can wrap their heads around the reality of what it is to be an owner. Yes. So what was that like for you? Like what, what is it about you that's, that you've been able to navigate that? Well, I never thought I would own a company. And the reason why is because my father owned a company. Okay. So we had, it was a little bit, a little bit of family business here. Okay. So my father ran a company for the better part of, my remembering my upbringing okay um and he loved it he would you know the best thing is being your own boss (laughs) he loved it he absolutely loved it and he ran he ran and managed a manufacturing plant in agawam massachusetts he made filtration products i find that so fascinating because well here's that's that's not that in a way that doesn't surprise me because often the person who steps into that role as the entrepreneur Mm -hmm. there's some sort of a history there's some sort Mm -hmm. of a background there's some sort of something where like i think with you justin you maybe had that history of i'm a solopreneur i can hustle i can make jobs happen like you Mm kind of have that mindset it sounds like from an early age but with you there was that family yes tradition or history that you maybe all those years you were at Discovery, you, you had that thing in the back of your mind saying, yeah, but one of these days, I'm going to do like my dad did. I, my father was so proud, and I remember going over the documents and the papers and, and really going over everything with him. It, it, it sparked such a... He had just recently retired, actually. Okay. And he couldn't have been happier to have this fall into his lap right after retirement. He really enjoyed going over the meat and the documents with me. Um, but I never... I really never thought all... at at all when I was at Discovery or beyond that I would ever own a company. I loved being a creative director. I loved working with different disciplines. I never really thought I wanted to take on the responsibility of owning because I knew what that meant. I saw mm-hmm. I saw my, my father and it was a great it was a great experience. I never he wasn't missing plays and graduations and weddings and things like that. He he managed his 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 life work balance, but I never thought that that would be me. I wanted to be in it. I wanted to be in the creative at all times. Right. But I also when presented with this challenge, knew that I was getting ready to move on anyway. I knew that I had been at this company for 3 years and that I had to start looking for other options. Mhm because I needed to keep my name and my career fresh and relevant. Yeah. Um, this isn't one of those industries where you can just stand still and no, no, settle sure. on, you know, rest on your laurels. Well, I'm curious to hear from both of you when, at this point, transition point. So, you know, you, you've both, both been working at this company and now you have this opportunity to mm-hmm. buy it and be the owners. Mm-hmm. Was there a sense of the excitement? Was it about, you know, my partner Tim and I often say, that you get into this industry for, as an owner mm-hmm. for one of three reasons. <laughs> and you maybe have heard me say this. For fame, for fortune, or for freedom. And sometimes people move through those three things as they evolve and mm-hmm. progress as an owner. What was it for you when you said, you know what, I think I'm down for this challenge. What was the sort of the brass ring that you were reaching for in that moment when you made that decision? Yeah. Well, and you can interject in here as well. When we got the offer, we looked at each other and said, "We let's go to the bar. <laughs> let's go to the bar and think about this. Yeah. Let's literally think because it was a it was a huge put put the brakes on. It was a huge moment, and so we went down the street to to Sidebar, which is no longer there, unfortunately. But uh, if you want to check out a piece on our on our website called Bullet, 
it's where we shop at. It's near and dear to us and always, always will be. I love that. And, you know, we went and said, this is, what, what does this mean? What, not only what does it mean for you, which is such a great point that you brought up the, why do you want to own a company? It wasn't, oh my God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to find the money? Oh my God. It was more, what's, what does this mean to you? What does stepping out of your role, what does owning a company, what does, uh, is it about the money? Is it about the art? I think was the, was the question. What, yeah. what is it for you? Yeah, I mean, and as far as owning a company, and I'm going to take just a quick step back. I'd love to be able to live up to this, uh, your interpretation of me that I was just this 14-year-old, you know, like just doing it by myself. I grew up in a post house. My dad was an editor also. and he was an editor. Yeah, and oh, he had a company sure. called Team that he started in 92. And I didn't really go to daycare. I just went to work. Oh, my gosh, so that's like funny. From when I'm six years old. And up, you know. So for you, there daycare cutting. was the edit suite. Yeah, and it was amazing back then because it was a full linear suite. It looks like NASA. There's a thousand buttons and a Grass Valley switcher that's seven feet long. Yeah, of course. And so, I had a blast. Everything was cool, and and that has always just been my my background. And so, seeing my dad own a shop was always just something that, for whatever arrogant reason in my head, I was like, yeah, of course, someday I will own my own shop. There it is. Um, so similar, a, a family, there's a, some family tradition in history yeah. that your dad was an owner. Of course. And, and then so, seeing okay, his cool, hard cool. work and he, you know, I knew that going in, being an owner meant 18 hour days easy, yeah. like right on the regular. Um, but yeah, so Heather and I are at the bar and kind of just talking about, you know, what do we each bring to the table? But more so than that, what are our goals? What do we want to make? And what do we now actually have control over? How we can now steer this ship. And that was really exciting for me. And, um, and at the time, and we had these conversations, we had been working together now for six months or so, I think by this point, six or eight months. And we kind of recounted a story that our former boss had asked us early on. And this was, this would have been a moment that decided whether or not we would be partners. And it was, we were both asked independently, are you in this for the art or for the money? Mm. And my, immediate answer was, well, I think money follows good art. And so, cause I'm still always going to think about the money, but I do think it follows good art. And Heather, I just said art. <laughs> you just said art. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, we looked at each other and we're like, right, because we don't, if we're just in this for the money, we might as well just do politicals, make bank yes. and then also take off half the year. Yes. That's not what we're in this game for. And for the, yeah, for those of you out there thinking, oh, I want to make money, you're right. Go into politicals. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you yeah, make a I've lot worked, of money. Uh, yeah, I've worked with a few of those owners. Yeah. You definitely do make a lot of money, but you ain't making art. No. That's for damn yeah. sure. So I guess to answer your and Tim's question, it is uh, out of those options, I would say it's freedom. Mm -hmm. And not freedom that in, in the way that you would think it's that we have. Like having, that life. having a life, <laughs> having time. Right. It's freedom to have that creative control. Yeah, and to be able to direct, to to be able to direct the company in that way. And at the time that we did purchase the company, the town had a lot of uh, topical work, a lot of launches and topicals. That's uh, mm -hmm. that was what was the bread and butter of the shop. Um, some agency stuff, but mostly just uh, you know it was promo launches and topicals. And that was a good model, and we had the right staff and the right people for that. Now then the change, yeah. the change yeah. happened. The change. Okay, yes. so which, but, but what year is this that you're getting into here? Uh, I'd probably say about two years ago. Okay. Yeah, around 2016. When the bigger change happened? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that... we the... started not getting any topicals at all, it would be, you know, <laughs> launches. But then we also started, we were doing always a little bit of shooting um, and then kind of got more and more into shooting. And so now that's kind of a big part of what we do as well. Mm-hmm. And was this a response to the changing needs that the clients were coming to you? Or was this also a response to just something within you that said, I want to do this type of work? Uh, both. Both. When, when we were talking about the kind of company that we wanted, because mm -hmm. now, now, now it's real. We are now being asked to purchase a company. And that makes you take a look at the company you're purchasing. I'm not getting another offer anywhere else. This is this is the company that we're being asked to purchase. So, right. and we worked there, so obviously, you know, we liked it. Mm -hmm. But this was an opportunity for us to do what we wanted to do. We had a boss that had a very strict vision and an aesthetic, and it wasn't ours. Mm -hmm. It was his. Mm -hmm. 
And so we were given a great opportunity to sit back and take a look at that. This is an opportunity to evolve Mm -hmm. and to take it to a level where if we would have started our own company, what would we have done? Right. And it took us. That was one of our questions that we we asked each other this whole run. It's like, what would we have done if we started this from scratch? Because we did inherit a few things and a reputation that was what it was. And uh, what we learned is that it's crazy hard to change a reputation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But. And to not be convoluted about it. The reputation was that we were down the street from Discovery. Mm -hmm. We could probably bring in a cheaper bid and we could do it pretty quickly. That was the reputation we had. And that Mm. is not, that was not my reputation. Right. As right. Heather Royman's creative director of Discovery, I had a reputation for doing award-winning work, yeah. and Justin had a reputation for being a great new sizzle editor in town. So we wanted to be able to make those, make that change, make that reflection change. And it took a while. I mean, the first two years of owning a company, you're literally just trying to figure out. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah like. I'm no longer sitting here trying to make the, you know, I'm looking at boards and I'm looking at a cut and I'm speaking at Promax. You're trying to figure out, oh my God, I'm getting these legal documents and what what healthcare options do we do? Making sure we're keeping up with 401k. Like all of those things yes. factor in. And so the first couple of years we were just, we had the same clients, we had the same kind of workload. It was all just learning. And then we were given the opportunity finally and it was maybe forced upon us by the changing climate and uh, you know the changing industry yeah. to actually look at okay do we do we have the staff to execute our vision do we have the space do we have the equipment do we have the right clients mm-hmm. and so it was a real opportunity and and so it's interesting because what I'm hearing too is that the first two years you're just assimilating and you're just kind of getting up to speed almost in effect saying what did we buy. Yeah. Right, you're wrapping your head around what did 100%. we buy and what does it mean to run this thing, and then you're saying, okay, now we have all of these assets, and what are we gonna, how can we best utilize these mm-hmm. right. to make the most awesome thing? Yes. You also are getting into something really interesting, which is the one of the assets that you had was that name and that reputation, and I think if I'm reading between the lines, you at some point said, okay, it's time to upgrade that asset. We need that reputation that name that goodwill can be at another level and was that part of the impetus behind the name change yeah we def definitely um and also we just wanted something that was a reflection of us yeah we don't feel necessarily that the the name we had previous was a true reflection of who we were Mm -hmm. and um and it's cool heather and i are are you know i'm biased maybe but the most unique kind of partnership in this industry most partnerships, when you look at a lot of companies, are two are generally two dudes or a group of dudes um, or a group of ladies or someone that was you know one person is the business person and one person is the creative person. Yep. Generally from the same generation, same backgrounds, and so what is cool with this is that you know Heather and I are from different generations. We're from completely different backgrounds. Um, and she's from the uh, the client side, and I've been vendor side my whole life, mm-hmm. different sexes, and you know. But with all that said, I feel like a lot of times when when uh, businesses kind of form or partnerships kind of form, it is one person that's like, well, I have this set of skill sets, and so the only thing I need to be the most successful, rich company that's ever existed is to find that one person that can do all the things that I can't do, mm-hmm. and that honestly is kind of a setup for failure because unless you actually sit there and figure out. Well, do we like the same things? Do we have the same goals? Do we have the same work ethic? Are we willing to put in the same amount of time? And then also, when it comes time to make hard decisions, are we challenging ourselves? And so that is what I think is crazy unique about us is that, and that goes back to the bar, we actually sat down and over the next three months looked at a thousand references. And we looked at, you know, what do we like about this? Why do we like it? Meaning what do we at, want to at, do? Looking at firms in the industry and firms and other, and other and brands. Yeah, and... other pieces, spots, art, um, everything from not just 30-second spots, but movies. And we would sit and analyze why we liked something and what would we want to create if we had done it. And so we were like, oh, my God, it's so cool. We are from, you know, I think we're 12 years apart. 
from different, maybe 11. I think you're, I think you're, I think you're about 12 years older, yeah. Right. Sure, sure. <laughs> and Heather's slightly rolling her eyes. <laughs> and, you know, from, again, just all the different backgrounds, and, we're, and we have the exact same aesthetic. And then on top of that, we challenge each other in a way that none of us have an ego where we're upset with the other person. And I feel like there's a pretty solid story of, so I started, I started doing DaVinci Resolve Color maybe six years ago. And I was, again, six years younger, so I was maybe a little bit more arrogant, a little bit more full of myself, and I learned the program, and I was like, yeah, I know the program now. I'm a colorist. And she literally was like, you're not a colorist. <laughs> and <laughs> right. I was like, no, I can totally do this. And she goes, you're literally not going to make anything I like for five years, is what she told me. Interesting. And so immediately I was like, whoa, dude, that's kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you're harsh. Yeah. It's not going to take me five years to master anything. But then so I started doing it and I put everything into it and started was learning everything I could learn, reading all the books I could read, practicing relentlessly. And... She said five years, and I and three years later, we worked on a piece for Gunslingers, which is this whole piece that she shot. I did the color, and she loved it. So I was like, you know what? Three years. Took three years. <laughs> challenge. Is, she needs a challenge. This no, one. but I love that because even three years seems ridiculous. Yeah. Because in this day and age, you think, oh, I'm just going to learn this tool and you know, oh, yeah. a few tutorials, and off I go. And it's like, well, there is a craft yeah. here. And people that practice a craft yes. for three years, for five years, yes. are have you know obviously – if that's their genius, they're going to do it at a level that's much, much higher. Exactly. Exactly. And that was the level that, that, again, I was at. That is the bar that was set. And I knew that that is what Justin aspired to be. We had a certain level that we considered quality, acceptable. Um, we, we really wanted to relaunch and rebrand this company in an image that was more reflective of who we were, our aesthetic, and our plans for the future. Now, how long has this process been happening? Because I'm just thinking you guys probably started asking some of these questions back when you were at the bar, mm -hmm. yeah. even asking, saying, well, if we buy this company, would we even potentially change the name? It probably came up. Mm -hmm. So it's been a two-year conversation on some level? It's almost four. Oh, four now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and when we originally purchased, we were like, oh, you know, IFDC, Image Factory, it's the name of our company. Let's not go crazy and change it now. Right, Rockable, yeah, we didn't want, as it is, we were new owners. People had to start seeing us that way. Our clients had to start seeing us that way. And so to change the name, we figured that would just compound confusion and, and maybe doubt, cast any doubt. Yes. So we, you know, we kept things. Markets don't like uncertainty. Yeah, they don't. They don't. And we didn't want that either. We wanted to focus on learning how to be owners, learning how to be managers while adjusting to changing you know, change the changing climate, changing mm -hmm. clients. Yeah, sure. um, so we really were focused on just doing that. When we got to a point where we were super confident that we're ready, we are ready. We feel that we have the trust of our clients. We have the trust of our team. Let's let's do this now. There's no time like now. And we had just renovated our space, and we had formed a team that really delivered on everything that we could hope for. Mm just gets our mission, gets our vision. Yeah. This is the team. So this is finally Alter Ego. We're ready. We're finally perfect. So Alter Ego is about to be unleashed yeah. on the world. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like um, what's cool is, I like to say this, I like to say that a really well-run creative company that you are, you have an opportunity <clears throat> to invite your clients into an exciting story that they get to play a part in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you have like a name change, it actually gives you a moment where you can actually represent that or symbolize it to that audience and say, hey, come with us on this journey. This is gonna be really cool. Mm -hmm. What's that journey? What's When you guys look out ahead and you're like, ooh, now that we're alter ego, the story continues, here's where we're going. Right, right. And that's kind of where what we chose about this name is that Alter Ego is reflective of Heather and I. Uh -huh. um, it's reflective of the team we built, but then as far as it's, it's inclusive of our clients and future clients. And when we were thinking about, um, you know, who we are as a company, what our goals are as a company, it is always about the clients. And so our whole kind of... Um, 
mission is to make our clients shine. So what can we do that makes our clients, when they can take this back, they're the ones that are looked at as, oh my God, you guys did this amazing job and our client knows that he's or she is that person that took it to the next level. And so for, I want, especially right now, you know, industries are, the industry is kind of crazy. Everyone's maybe a little bit scared. Mm -hmm. Alter Ego is a place where you can come and actually be a different, have a different mindset and not be scared to maybe take a risk where you were before, where you're maybe playing a little bit safer. Um, you can come here and, and play this other role that you've always wanted to be with a group of people because Alter Ego has another definition, not just on the, you know, be the opposite person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not necessarily that. Um, The other definition is a trusted partner. And so we can be your trusted partner. And we can also be a place where you can look at risks and we figure out how to make them not risky. Yes, that's the big point is that risk is a scary word. Yeah, No one wants to take a risk. Um, No one wants to take that on, especially now. Everything is so uncertain. But we will take that on for you. So you can you can feel like you're doing something differently. Take a chance, and we will take on the burden of the risk. Right. We will take that on for you. Yeah, in a way, it's almost like we'll we'll give you all the credit mm-hmm. and all the win and all the success and any yeah. of the risky, dangerous mm-hmm. failure, oopses, whatever. Yeah. We'll take we'll take the blame for that. But at the end of the day, let's go make something that's yes. different and and that's unexpected. And knowing that we're coming at it that way pushes us. I want to take on risky. Mm-hmm work or a challenge to be risky. I want to sell something in that hasn't been done before or something that may not be safe. And I want to put that challenge on myself. Justin wants to put that challenge on himself and so does our team. We have a really diverse team of amazing seasoned professionals. And I know a lot of people say that. It is great when you can get that. It yeah, is sure. really magical when you can have that that kind of a team. We have, we have the editors that came from motion and worked on sizzles and trailers. We have our art director came from Imaginary Forces and The Mill and Gretel. Hmm. We have those people with us Mm -hmm. to be along this ride and to be along for for this journey. And that gives us the confidence to, to be able to sell that, to be able to make that statement, which is we are here to make you shine and we want, we want to make you look good. That is, that is what drives us. And the fact that they come from such amazing places, but it's not just about being able to say, oh, well, like our new high editor came from from Motion or, or we have another guy came from New York, worked on Showtime and stuff. Like, It's the fact that they have that kind of pedigree, but they're also the most collaborative people you could work with. They don't take all the credit for everything. They actually make it a partnership with whatever producers coming in or our art director that is a genuine leader and is bringing the rest of the team up and giving them the strategy behind why you design and not just make you know, lines in a certain way because it looks cool. Right. It's gotta be cool for a reason. Yeah, our, our partnerships are, are huge and are everything. Too. When we say we're collaborators, we are collaborators together because we are partners and we're mm-hmm. running this, this company and on this journey together, but we also require that of our team. And you know, when we decided to rebrand, we design things for a living. We brand other companies and, and businesses, but we knew that we couldn't do this by ourselves, and we knew we needed that outside perspective. And so we sought out uh, a firm that specializes in brand strategy, Noetic, um, run by Nancy McDonald Reuter, who I've known for many years. She used to work um, back at Discovery and has worked on uh, really high-level brands such as you know, Nike, uh, worked at all the big agencies. So we wanted a partner like that to provide us with this with this perspective that we knew that we needed if we were going to do something as important as rebrand our entire right that's very cool uh and so working working with them and bringing the whole team along for the ride was something that we were able to expose them to as well we are often provided with a strategy before we start a project that's something that we don't often get let in on that process we are not we don't have a seat at that table so we are often provided with a with a brand brief and that is how we start our projects so we allow our team uh those that haven't been on the client side those that haven't worked in that capacity at an agency to be able to have that experience was another uh really telling moment about how we lead i guess that's a terrible way of saying that but mm-hmm. it was uh 
yeah, telling moment isn't right at all. No, how you go um, through the process. Yeah, how we right? go through the process and yeah. how we share that information with, with the team and how we involve them because we do appreciate what everybody brings to the table. We appreciate, as, as Justin said, their pedigree, and we understand that we are better for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I can definitely tell you props to you guys for hiring external experts to help you go through that process, mm-hmm. right? Because I think there's almost a bias that, well, we're creative people, we're designers, whatever, we can do it quote, we can do it all ourselves, right? But there is such a thing as experts who can, you know, you don't, I I like how David C. Baker says it. He says, you don't want to be inside the jar trying to interpret your own label on the outside. Exactly. Right? Oh, yeah. And so I'm sure that was a really cool process to go through with this, I can't remember her name you mentioned. Nancy Uh, McDonald from Noetic. That, um, yeah, that that's, that's, there's a process there. And if you want to do it at this high of a level, my, I'm trying to get my hand this high. You can't see it through the microphone. But if you want to play at that level, mm-hmm. then I would say you're now at a no excuses level. Mm-hmm. So how would a firm brand and position and perform at that level? And you, you, you might say, you know what? We needed an expert to help us through that. And also, I mean, in the same way that, you know, every mechanic has a car at home in a million pieces. They don't ever have time to work on their own stuff. That's a great um, I love that analogy. Yeah, the cobbler's yeah. kids and, have no shoes. And in the same way that we've rebranded other businesses, and they're like, well, we could probably do this or that ourselves. And we're like, the fresh perspective and the actual ability to go in unbiased and, asks you, and ask you questions that actually might scare you a little bit and make you actually think about yourself in a different way is super huge. So for us to be able to try to sell that to other people and then not take our own advice mm. would be ridiculous. Okay, wow. That's interesting because, yeah, you in a way you just sort of um, put it back on everyone out there that is the owner running a shop and saying, oh, no, no, I can do it myself. It's like, well, wait a minute. You don't recommend your clients do it themselves. Right. Yeah. There's something to be said for this like magic alchemy of when – client, you know, vendor, agency, production company, whatever, all comes together that, that there's a certain, you know, result that's greater than the sum of the parts. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a magic there. Yes, very much so. So IFDC is now all grown up. Yes. Yeah. Right? It's all grown up. And it's like, I'm excited that you guys are in a way unleashing this sort of, now your vision is sort of, I think, fully being realized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's about to be unleashed. So as you go forward... I think of IFDC and where you've been as the DC shop that was, you know, someone someone might have called you a promo shop perhaps Mm -hmm. because there was a lot of work obviously in that town with the merger of Discovery and Scripps, the other changes going on in the industry. What type of work excites you? Are you going to be doing more work for ad agencies and more commercial work? Are you going to be going brand direct? I mean, what, you know, will you be creating even content of your own? What kind of things excite you guys? Yeah, creative content. We are a creative content shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Our background is promos. We love short form. I think it's because we appreciate the uh, ability to juggle a bunch of things at the same time, and we're both a little on the on the ADD side, so we do we do appreciate being able to jump off and on projects uh, quickly. Well, there's also a mastery of being able to tell incredibly powerful messages in a very condensed format. Absolutely. Right. So Absolutely. There is a, oh, yeah. I went from being a long-form writer, and I, I wanted to write novels at, at a time, and plays, and poetry, and to be able to put it into a 30-second script that a fifth grader can understand. I remember being told, that word is too big. No <laughs> one's, you cannot use that word. You can't use voracious, or you, you have to, you have to pare it down. It has to be understood by a fifth grader. So there is certainly a skill to that, and it will always be my first love. Mm. And I do think it will continue to be a big part of, um, of who Alter Ego is and the kind of work that we do. But we have, over the past couple of years, we've gotten into telling those stories in different ways. So we always aren't, going first to the edit, going first first towards a designer animation-led um, execution for something. We also do a lot of live action. Justin and I have been co-directing um, for a couple years now, uh, actually, and we own quite a bit of gear. Mm. And we've pared down our package to be appropriate for the jobs we're getting and the jobs we want. So not only can we direct your large shoot that requires, you know, the Technocrane and the Moho and the craft services and the clients, you know, client right, services sure. for, for talent. Um, but we also can 
we've pared down our package that we can take into the jungles of Guatemala uh, that are all battery power that can go for three three plus hours um, and we can do that with a much smaller nimbler crew because if that's what the job requires that's what the job requires and you know we now are we now are pitching for both linear and digital mm -hmm. and those have completely mm -hmm. different paths budgets expectations attached to them yeah sure um, and and so we have we've tried to evolve so we can we can tell shorter stories in in different ways we can tell longer stories in different we're actually working on two long form pieces right now mm, um you know we're nda'd on on some of them but they're <laughs> very very exciting uh well, by the time this podcast by the time this podcast releases someone that w that is very famous that maybe comes from the south side of chicago might have a book about what it's like being becoming the first lady. I don't know. Just something like that. Just a possibility. Just something like that. Um, but what I love about kind of this question and, and the direction that we're going in is that what I think is, uh, again, our our value proposition at Alter Ego is Heather and I, is mm -hmm. this partnership mm -hmm. and then the team we've built. But it is the fact that a lot of shops want to be able to say, like, we're the interview people or we're the short form people or we're this or we're right. that. We're the food but, shooters. Yeah, we're the, yeah exactly. <laughs> we, we do humor. <laughs> but because we have our own independent expertises and then we teach each other everything. So like I said, like I'm a huge car guy. We've also we've now done a mess of car shoots because I know how to shoot cars. Mm -hmm. And then and Heather's a, like has an amazing uh, eye for detail. And um, when you're lighting a car, it's a chrome ball. So you either have to hide every light or throw a thousand lights at it. And so we can do something where we've done really high concept car related spots, but then Heather is also a master interviewer. And so then we've also been able to do these really cool story driven spots. And so we can, as one shop, rely on our independent expertises and then know that we are a true partnership in that, you know, I might be looking at this car thing and then she's looking at what the lighting is like and then if there's a story to be told she you know we kind of will let one take the lead but then we're always fully supportive but that it allows us to broaden right what we can do because we can rely on our independent expertise in my experience i'm curious if it's in yours too that as budgets go up actually time actually goes down in the sense that usually when you're on a shoot if it's you know a three four five hundred thousand dollar day mm-hmm there's actually less time for everything. Like everything is even more packed in because mm -hmm. it's almost like, well, if we're spending this much money, we better get everything. everything. Yeah. Like there's going to be a helicopter. Mm -hmm. We're going to have, you know, three cameras rolling at all times. This is going to be slow motion. And every element you add actually makes things more compressed. Yes. Where every, you know, setup is, mm -hmm. you know, down to the five minute increment where your producer is saying, okay, we're moving on. Like we can't be mm -hmm. five minutes late. We're, yeah. we're, like, do you like it? Is that the lighting? Mm -hmm. Is that the angle? Like, you got it. You're good. And you're Ready. sitting there going, okay, I think we can move on. I think I got it. And you're mm -hmm. looking at each other, I'm sure. And I'm like, yeah, no, we got it. Yeah. yeah. No, knowing that we <laughs> knowing that we have it is really important. And that is, and when I say time, I mean pre-production time. I mean, by the time, from the time you green light the project right, to, when we're, to, shooting. to when we're shooting, if I could have more of that oh, time. Sure, because sure. Because these, these things happen. And on the day, if you don't, plan for everything if you don't have plan b c and d if you haven't if we haven't had the opportunity mm -hmm. to sync up on every single detail so we can be the most efficient partnership on that day that is where it is my greatest hope over money i would rather yeah. have time in pre-production what's like is is it common from award green light you know hopefully first half check even shows up Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, you're fancy. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> let's go there. No, but for, in, until until shoot day, right? Is that typically somewhere between a week and three weeks? Like, what's yeah. what's quick versus what's generous? A week is quick. Uh, a, week a week is, is common. Yeah, and common. Um, but like, and three weeks is like three weeks oh, is great. If only we could only if if we could always have three weeks, <laughs> we would be so much happier. Yeah, three weeks is is also not completely not common. It happens from time to time from time to time but but I'd go like the the iron res piece that we did to me was such a, a slam dunk success that we had a month we had two weeks I think that we were concepting and then we had a month of actual pre-pro but then it was also due seven days after the shoot mm. but because we had cut it we shot it and cut it 15 times before we actually went on location um, 
you know, like I said, I had a rough cut on rap day. We had a fine cut two days later. And then we were in mix and sound design, and it was good to go. And that speaks to, that was like a perfect case scenario because our client trusted us. Mm. And that is also That's a big huge. word. Yes, the big, really the big, big T word. word. Because we, once we sold, the, once he chose the concept and we knew it was going to be a match action edit, we, would, we wanted to take more time on the pre-production side we knew that we could nail the edit as long as we had the time to pre-pro. We had this time. And the client trusted that we understood the best way to execute his vision. And so having that trust, if he would have said, no, 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 I'm really nervous. We need a month to go through cuts and, and I need a fine cut stage and a rough cut stage and they need three days to review it and you know yeah. they're out in LA and I'm here in Maryland and we're, I'm gonna have to have this time, that would have severely, severely compromised the creative. Yeah. So the fact that he was an amazing partner and trusted our vision, we delivered for him. So this is almost a like a lesson for anyone on the client side listening that if your partner merits that level of trust, mm -hmm extend it mm -hmm. yeah. like give it uh because there is a certain i mean pace and quality everything that comes together when you can trust someone mm -hmm. now they have to be worthy of it mm -hmm. right yes but when that combination comes together it is powerful because i will say most you know most of the really great collaborations that i see that studios working with clients when there is that high level of trust mm -hmm. and that client is like able to just kind of mm -hmm. say, okay, go. I, I, I know you guys got this. You got yeah. my back. You're going to take care of it. Wow. Yeah, and, I, and I've been there. I've been there. I've been right. on were, that You were that client. client. I was that client, and I apologize <laughs> if I was. Yeah. I was that client, and so I understand, and I don't vilify our clients or roll my eyes at that. I understand those mm -hmm. challenges. Mm -hmm. I understand what it's like to have to take it back to multiple levels, to be on your own deadlines, to be hearing feedback from above and from your peers that you have to accommodate, and you're also working on other projects. You are also doing other things, so let us take that on. Right. We are the experts in execution. And so let us do that. Let us take that risk on for you. Let us tell you the best way to make you shine, to get you something you're gonna love. We take that very seriously and we take that challenge very seriously and we love it. It's what drives us. It's completely what drives us. And so when we have that trust and we know how to execute, it is going to be, it's gonna get you that hot spot. It's gonna get you that award. It's gonna get you that standing <laughs> ovation in the, in, the, in the boardroom. That's the promise that we'll, we're making. I feel like I just got sold. I'm like, ah, I don't nice. know, I'm like, I don't know whatever it is that Heather's selling, but I'm buying it because no, I mean, there's a certain just magic of when someone's operating in their genius and they're doing what they love doing and they're excited about it. You, it's like, you know, I kind of get goosebumps. I'm like, I want to be part of that. How do we go? Let's go make something amazing together. Yeah, and that's kind of again what why we are breaking the mold of this image factory name and why we are going into alter ego is that we this is truly what we are passionate about. This isn't a nine to five or 10 to six or whatever your hours are for us. If you go back to when you got into this, if you went to school for it, or if you were just making videos in high school or whatever, like what we want to do basically is take all of our expertise in professionalism and technology, but put our, our like 15 year old passion into it where it's all we want to do all day long and relentlessly just keep pushing it and pushing it and making it better. Well, I think that's a killer note to end on. <laughs> I don't know if I can top that. Yeah, I know that was great. Well, it's really cool. I mean, I'm obviously just very excited about seeing the story continue, right? From IFTC to Alter Ego. And huge fans of your, your work. And I'm really excited to see where you guys take the company from here. Because I know you're reaching for the next level. And I, I know you're going to crush it. Thank you. And thank you, Joel, for allowing us to be part of this discussion. Uh, we're also very big fans. I've known you for a really long time. And this new venture of yours, I'm so intrigued and oh, excited about. And I know, Justin, you want to say one yeah, final yeah. word? Absolutely. I just, again, Joel, thank you so much for having us on here and for just being a voice in this uh, role of helping us kind of find you know, better ways of selling. We've been uh, you know, clearly fans of the podcast and the Rev Think whole movement for a long time mm -hmm. and just forever students of this. And so we've been able to learn a lot from you over the years and how we price and how we just value ourselves. And so that has been hugely helpful. Yeah. So thank you oh, very much. I appreciate much. that feedback. That's awesome. Yeah. Forever students. That's a really important. Forever students. Yes. Yeah, that's true of all students. of us. Yeah. So for people that want to 
find out more and they want to check you out. I'm guessing the old domain will forward to sure. where? It what's will. the what's the new website? Alter Ego Creates. Alter Ego Creates. And yes. is that dot com? Okay. Dot com. AlterEgoCreates.com. AlterEgoCreates.com. Okay, cool. Well, I, I'm looking forward to checking it out. And I'm guessing it's live as of this podcast being released? It, it is. Fantastic. Okay, congrats, guys. All right. Thanks, Joel. You've been listening to the Rev Thinking Podcast. For more information on upcoming accelerators, events, or to learn how RevThink advises creative entrepreneurs like you, connect with us at RevThink.com. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.